This episode of I'll Go First is brought to you by Acura, leading the way in auto innovation for over 30 years. Keep listening to discover how Acura sees things differently in the pursuit of precision-crafted performance. Now, on to our show. There's a lot of slang in our market, like HODL, right? Hold on for dear life, H-O-D-L. We fork a lot of stuff, which means sending it in a different direction. There's a lot of, you know, crypto-related slang that we use. Um, a good one is shitcoins. Hi, I'm Takara Small, and this is I'll Go First from The Globe and Mail. This is not your average tech podcast. We're going beyond the headlines and behind the million-dollar deals to chat with innovators and industry trailblazers. On this episode... I'm Cole Diamond, CEO of CoinSquare. CoinSquare is Canada's leading digital currency trading platform. Woof. That's a mouthful. Mm -hmm. The world of cryptocurrency can be confusing to say the least. Blockchain, Ethereum, Ripple, it's a whole new complicated world out there. But let's break it down. Cryptocurrency is a digital or virtual currency that is traded around the world and isn't bound by government oversight. Its value fluctuates just like any other resource. But it's a tad more volatile and requires users to either mine data to create it or purchase it outright online. Cryptocurrency can be traded for stuff just like regular money. And that's where companies like Cold Diamond's CoinSquare come in. CoinSquare is a digital currency platform that allows people to trade, list, or exchange digital currency. And they have big plans for the future. But for Cole, it's already been a wild ride. Here's our conversation. You're a serial entrepreneur, you had one of Canada's most successful platforms, and you're a leader in the digital currency industry. Do you ever feel like doing less? Because that sounds tiring. Uh, no, I have more than enough time to spend with my 16-month-old son. And so between the company and him, I've got enough time to be able to get everything done. You do? Okay. Follow-up question. How long is your day? Well, this morning, I guess I got started about 5.15, and I'll, I'll be in meetings most of, the, most of the way through until I see my boy around 6, and uh, probably get back at it after dinner, and I'll go to bed at 10, because life is not overly exciting on the social side, but it's very exciting on the business side. All right, then. And obviously, aside from seeing your son, this is the highlight of your day. Uh, being here with you is absolutely the highlight of my day, second to seeing my son. I knew it. I knew it. Okay. So let's talk about CoinSquare. There are a lot of digital currency companies that exist in Canada. Tell me a little bit about how yours differs from the rest. We view ourselves not as a digital currency trading platform really anymore. We view ourselves as a 21st century financial institution. So we believe that with the power of blockchain technology, we can start bringing more financial services offerings to our customers. Um, a good example of that is the recent press release that went out launching Coin Capital, which is a wholly owned subsidiary of CoinSquare, uh, which is our asset management business. So it's the first 100% focused technology ETF business in all of Canada. Uh, we think uh, through that initial offering, we can start to attract a more diversified portfolio of customers as well as a more diversified portfolio of assets outside of just cryptocurrency. And so can you break down what blockchain is, what cryptocurrency is, and as succinctly as possible? Yeah, sure. So blockchain and cryptocurrency were created at the exact same time, and that was with the creation of Bitcoin. You have a computer, and I have a computer, 
and your friend has a computer and my friend has a computer and there's all these computers around the world that are speaking to each other, okay? And what they're doing is they're confirming that one machine says the same thing that another machine says. So what that does, it's beautiful about it, is that we don't actually have to trust each other if we're going to work on the blockchain because we're looking for uh, this technology that's been built that's now at this point proven because it's been running for nine years that if your computer and my computer and her computer all say the same thing happened, then that happened. Okay, I don't have to trust an intermediary or worry that you know, my assets ended up in the wrong place. So that's, that's the base layer of blockchain. Now it gets considerably more sophisticated than that. And there's a lot of things that we can start to build on top of that. And it really depends what sort of blockchain is being built. But you asked me to sort of put it in, the, in layman's terms, and that's layman's I terms. I love it. I so love Bitcoin it. Bitcoin was created at the same time as blockchains. You know, somebody that we don't know named Satoshi Yakamoto uh, went and created Bitcoin, which was a blockchain, while at the same time was a currency or a cryptocurrency. The idea behind Bitcoin was that uh, it was really a decentralized approach. They were trying, he or she or they, whoever Satoshi is, was trying to figure out how to create a structure for currency that lived outside of central banks. And keep in mind, it was 2009 when it launched, right in the heat of the financial crisis where central banks played a pivotal role in, uh, in the issues that were caused there. So the belief was there's only ever going to be a maximum of 21 million coins. There's going to be a release schedule of when those coins come into the market. So it's like a deflationary product where you don't have to worry about, well, all of a sudden I'm going to wake up tomorrow and my Bitcoin has gone down by you know 50% in value because some central government decided to print an additional 100% of what was in circulation. Uh, so there was a belief that on the one side, it could be a stronger currency than what are called fiat currencies, Canadian dollar, US dollar, et cetera, is fiat currency. And while at the same time, it was considered to be incredibly more efficient than regular currency because it could move significantly faster and it can be tracked. Uh, those are some of the reasons for why it got a lot of interest and a lot of early adoption, both as a sort of decentralized mechanism as well as a more efficient uh, currency. Gotcha. And, I, and I'm fascinated to know what cryptocurrencies you're in, invested in. Uh, it's a fantastic question, uh, and I don't share with anyone. Really? CoinScore is not in a position to give investment advice. And but no, from you personally. We're such close friends now. Okay, so uh, what I would love to tell you is our position on, on the market <laughs> okay. instead. Okay. okay. As a trading platform and working within a volatile market, we think it's really important to send a message to our user base that lets people know that it's in our interest that they're successful. So my suggestion to people is to pick a basket of options, okay? Not one or two, but three or four or five. Buy them in equal parts or some distribution of, uh, you know, a different percentage based on their market capitalization, you know, the, val the overall value of those currencies, and hold them. Or in our market, we say HODL. Hold on for dear life, H-O-D-L. Hold them. Don't look at the price today. Don't look at the price in six months from now. Don't try and make a quick buck. Most people in the world to try and make a quick buck end up losing most, if not all, of their money. That's the same for all markets, not just the cryptocurrency market. So buy it. Hold it. That advice sort of works against our business model because the more they trade, the more money we make. But at the same time, when you're dealing with an early market, it's more important to us that we get adoption. We don't want to see people that you know buy in at the highs in December when Bitcoin is at you know 19,500 US dollars, and now it's sitting at 
6,400 US dollars. I don't look at it like that. I don't, you know, care what the price of Bitcoin was six months ago or six months from now. I care about what it looks like in four or five years. And if you can't afford to lose the money you're putting into this asset class, then don't even try. Interesting. Because even though I believe very strongly the market not just will survive, but it will thrive. I don't know if Bitcoin's the winner or Ethereum's the winner or Litecoin's the winner or some other coin we haven't heard of is going to take over the whole market, whether there'll be five of them or 50,000 of them. I can't tell you. Place your bets and I'll see you in five years. Right. Ethereum, Bitcoin, maybe Mitcoin. McDonald's just released their own. I mean, that's not something I would necessarily (laughs) invest in, but I'm sure it has an interesting utility attached (laughs) to it or a rewards program. Um, So, yeah. So you have a young son. Mm-hmm. Has fatherhood changed you in any way? You're in oh. a very like competitive market, working in a very volatile industry. Yeah. So it's interesting. So April of last year, 2017, my son was born on April 3rd. We closed on our house on April 13th. Uh, I had an investment in a company called CoinSquare that I agreed in theory that I was going to become the CEO of. And it was just me and Virgil, the founder of the company. But I didn't really know where the business was going. Between April 13th and April 25th, I had like 17 contractors come in and work on this new house so that we could move into it. About 100 deliveries came to the house. I knew I wasn't going to have any time after the house was put together, so I tried to get everything done, curtains up, bathrooms finished, toilet paper in, etc. While all that was going on, CoinScore tripled its revenue from 17000 a month to 51000 a month between March and April. We hired our first employee. We moved into our first office. My wife and I moved twice. We were in the hospital, and then we went home, and then we went to my in-laws, and then we went to our house. That all happened in the same month. And I would say that April of last year has been the most relaxing month since. So it's been a wild ride. I wouldn't say necessarily that it was just Aiden that changed me. I would say that everything has just had to be dealt with, and I've been trying to deal with it in a in the right manner, in the right process. And surely mistakes have been made along the way, but you know, I'm hoping that uh, we're able to generate a lot of wins across the board at home and otherwise in the future. Has being a dad made you a better entrepreneur, a better boss? Has it changed your outlook in any way? I mean, obviously, it was a different conversation that I had with my people experience team, which is, you know, the, our way of saying human resources. When they came to me and they're like, well, what are we going to do about employees when they have kids? I'm like, well, definitely start with two weeks paid off. And, you know, if I didn't have kids, I might have been like, tell them to get into work the next day. Interesting. (laughs) Um, So, I mean, there's little stuff like that, you know, just trying to understand. It's like anything else. You go through an experience and you've got a little bit more empathy for those that, you know, follow in your footsteps. Now, I wouldn't say that it's changed too much about, you know, my, my business outlook. It's changed a lot about, you know, how I deal with business. I try to be home almost every single day for bedtime. Um, so the CEO of the company walking out the door every day at 530 is it's not the most positive effect on culture. But I'm doing it for all the right reasons, and I hope my staff respect that. When you joined Coinsquare, you were quite small, and the business grew quite fast. Um, what is it like to, I guess, oversee a business and, and work hard to grow something that you didn't create? So I'm a creator, So that's been challenging for me. You know, once you bring a second person into a business, you know, the initial infrastructure of the business might be the founder's baby, okay? But now you're starting to share the child. So I like to refer to CoinSquare, I'm the stepdad. Oh, interesting. You know, as a creator, somebody that, that, you know, has built startups from nothing, I kind of needed to have my own thing. So, you know, we launched CoinSquare Mining, which is a majority-owned subsidiary of CoinSquare. 
which was in partnership with a couple of other guys that we've built into an, an absolutely enormous business. And I get to call that my baby. Uh, we've got a few more like it, some of which are not ready to announce yet. But, you know, in order to sort of keep my creation going outside of the operational components that are a requirement of my position, I have had to, you know, create some of my own babies outside of uh, the main CoinScore asset. So you're overseeing quite a lot of stuff. How do you deal with all that? How do you de-stress? I'm assuming you shine when it comes to when you're under stress. Um I wouldn't say I shine when it comes to Did you get that joke? A, yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you, that's, okay, that's, he's rolling I, his eyes it. for everyone no. at home who can't see it. I'm sure you get way too many diamond jokes. Last one. I will. That will be the last diamond joke, I swear. Please okay. continue. No, I'm into it. Um, no, I mean, I mean, at the end of the day, um, I wasn't the most studious student, you know, back in the day when I was in school. You know, some people that I knew that were in medical school in particular that, you know, sort of see what they were working on and the amount of work that they had and the pile of books that would be like six feet high on their desk. And I'd look at them and I'd say, how do you ever get through this? And they say, well, if you start at the piece of paper at the top, eventually you get to the bottom. And so when you got a big to-do list like I do and then another, you know, CEO's technology or otherwise, fast-moving business or otherwise, the to-do list is always going to be endless. You just have to start at the top, be smart about what you work on, work your way through stuff. And then really you got to hire unbelievable people people and trust them to get the job done. If you start micromanaging, you'll go a lot slower. So you got to find good people, you got to trust them, and then that's, that's how you're able to move through stuff. Now, the Acura Innovation Series. Born from secret meetings and bold ambition, Acura launched in 1986. A collection of daredevils and dreamers, they were a startup. Before startups meant foosball tables and open concepts. In less than a year, two modern classics, the Integra and the Legend, made Acura's name known. Over 30 years and countless world firsts later, that same dedication to innovation continues to drive them forward. Visit Acura.ca to discover their current lineup. And so whenever I'm talking to someone like yourself, incredibly successful, Another compliment. I'm just sliding in. Yeah, well, you're not, so you're used not, to them. You're, you're not, like not even taking notice. Yeah, no, no, you're not. You're not accurate on that one. We're not. We're not successful. No, yet. you. You yourself. I'm not. No. I'm, no. I mean, coin humble score, as well. Well, I'm, listen. At the end of the day, we've got uh, forty-seven point three million dollars of investor capital that's poured into the business, and I haven't generated a return from my investors yet. I've never yet. had a business before where I brought forty-seven point three million dollars into a company or anywhere close to it. My last startup, I raised $1.2 million from friends and family, and it went to zero. So success will be determined by our ability to execute on CoinSquare, return for our investors, return for our employees who are shareholders, uh, be able to execute on a vision that actually changes the landscape of financial services in Canada. At that point, I'll accept the word success. Okay. Get ready for a finely crafted email when you get there from me. Deal. What I love to do with people is uh, what we call rapid fire. So I'm going to ask you a couple of questions. Try and answer as quickly as possible. Eleven blue up. Oh, look, you're already prepared. Good. Um, I'll let you know at the end of the podcast series if you won. It's a win or loss situation. Yeah. Oh, my God. You're an okay. entrepreneur, though. You're competitive. Here we go. You'll do great. Okay. Ready? No. Here we go anyways. Okay. Okay. What is your greatest fear? Stronger competition. What do you do for fun? Swimming with my son. What motivates you? Winning. What's your perfect day off? 
Uh, lots and lots of walking. How many hours do you sleep a night? Six and a half. What's the one word your friends would use to describe you? Aggressive. What's your favorite TV show? Probably still 24. Awesome. Okay. <laughs> it was easy, right? It was Did fun. I fail? Uh, I won't disclose that right now. Okay. I'll let you know after the series is done where you place okay. in the hierarchy. Okay. Now we're on to what we call the big three. I'm going to ask you a couple of questions. You can take your time with these. Feel okay. free to think about them. Okay, so you're you're one of the first people in your field to do what you're doing. What's the one big mistake throughout your career that's helped define and or help? The one big mistake that helped define my career was that I come from a sort of long line of entrepreneurs, and, and the strong advice that was given to me was to go out and make my mistakes on someone else's dime and not go and start my own businesses right away. And I didn't listen. And I had a quick win from one and then a massive fail from another. Interesting. Massive failures that resulted in you losing money? That resulted in me losing money, investors losing money, but uh, the learning experience was unbelievable. We built three different systems that all failed, uh, so trying to get a better understanding of you know, how to be very careful about initial uh, setup of, of your initial technology stack and when to pull the plug and rebuild and, or, you know, when to continue to, to push on, even though sometimes you might not have the perfect system. You know, having gone through those experiences are enormously, enormously valuable. If you had to provide your younger self with one piece of advice, what would it be? I would have, uh, I'd go back and I'd suggest to my, uh, my younger self to have finished university. Um, it wouldn't have made that big of a difference uh, given my career choice. And I knew it at the time that even getting my BA wasn't going to do much in terms of getting me the job that I wanted because I didn't really want a job. I wanted to be an entrepreneur. And, and But at the same time, I could have stayed out for you know three more years of a fantastic experience, made you know stronger friendships, and, uh, and you're always in a better position to do that at school than you are at work. And uh, and then I wouldn't, you know, be embarrassed every time I go on to LinkedIn and look at my profile that says, like, King's College, one year. I think ultimately it's, you know, it's a little bit of a confidence breakdown every once in a while for somebody that, you know, likes to feel confident about who they are and what they're doing. I would have done that differently. Do you think you'll ever go back? No. Why? Because now that I'm able to sit with you and go on a podcast and be open and honest about how I feel about it, uh, let's call it spilt milk and move on with life. Okay, and one last question before I swear I stop bothering you. Um, what do you see for yourself in the future? Yeah, my only issue with that question is when people put time limits like, where do you see yourself in five years? Where do you see yourself in 10 years? So I'll tell you where I see myself in the future, and the story hasn't changed for at least 17 years, at least since I was 18 years old. My dream is to build, own, and operate my own hotel. Interesting. God willing, I'm the concierge at that hotel, and I'll wear one of those stupid hats and when people come in, like most offices, it's like, oh, my God, it's Monday and hump day Wednesday and TGIF Friday. But at a hotel, your customers are coming in, kind of like a restaurant, but a ho hotels are my thing. People are coming in, they're just trying to make the best out of whatever day it is. And to be able to contribute value to people in that regard would be exciting for me. My sort of uh, outside of my grandfather, um, Izzy Sharp, who's the founder of the Four Seasons, was like, 
the guy that I looked up to in, in business and uh, what he's done with that with that business has just been, you know, unbelievable to watch. And God willing, I could mirror that. Although at that stage of my career, if I have the flexibility to be able to open a hotel, I'm not going to want multiple locations. I'm going to want the one. I'm going to want that one to be the best in the world. And God willing, it's in Toronto and, and Toronto gets the benefit from it. Uh, last question. Where can we find you online? Uh, well, it's not me you're looking for. It's CoinSquare. So CoinSquare can be found at CoinSquare.com. You are like a ghost online. I could not find you on social media, on LinkedIn, on you. I mean, on YouTube, there are a bunch of interviews, but you're nowhere to be found. That- I I can be found on LinkedIn. I can be found on Facebook, but I don't check Facebook, so I okay. won't accept your friend request. Oh, <laughs> he's so cruel and straight to the point. If you add me to Gar, I will not add you back. Well, if you add me, I won't see it, so you'll okay. be offended. So I'm telling you up front, I okay. won't see it. So don't judge me and not invite me back because we're not Facebook friends. Okay. We can definitely thank do you for the clarification. Okay, awesome. thank you. Thank you. Thanks to Cole Diamond for sharing his story. Now we want to hear your story. Make sure to hit me up online. I'm at Takara Small on Twitter, or you can just email the show at podcasts at globeandmail.com. I'll Go First is a Vocal Fry Studios production. It's executive produced by Kieran Rana and Katrina Bolak with editorial assistance from David Michaels. For more stories of entrepreneurship, visit theglobeandmail.com. Make sure to subscribe to this show wherever you get your podcasts. See you next week.